still does that. Uh, we used to pile them here. I remember when I first came, they had a lectern that attached to the back of the pew, and Howard could use that so well, but I just can't see that far down. It didn't help me at all. I don't know if it's if you've if you've noticed it or not, but a number of years ago, uh, I went to a pastor's conference, and the pastor was speaking about America, and he was talking about it being a post-Christian nation. And uh, when he said that we were a post-Christian nation, I was it kind of was offensive to me. I thought, man, how can we even think about being a post-Christian nation? But some of the things that he shared with uh, during that conference, as I have looked at those things and I've seen those things unfold uh, in our nation, I would have to agree that we as America are in a post-Christian nation. Uh, you think about how it used to be back in the good old days, you know, back a long time ago, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, you know, when we think about that time, uh, going to church was something that was popular. Uh, going to church was something that was acceptable. Uh, uh, you know, Sunday night, act Sunday activities were, were non-existent. Uh, there just weren't Sunday activities. Everyone just knew that that was the day uh, for church. And even people who didn't go to church uh, knew that that was the way. Uh, but that's changed so much. I mean, now Sunday is the day that's open where most people are not working, and so that seems to be uh, the day of a lot of activity. So it seems to be more and more the mindset of people as we, as we move on. Uh, and it seems like the things that our society once held on to that are, that are kind of uh, Judeo-Christian in nature based, those things have been let go of. Those things have been pushed to the side uh, as well. And as we, as we think about it, uh, most of society has kind of gripped hold of different types of philosophies, and that's what they're following instead of the Judeo-Christian uh, policies that our, that our nation was built upon. And you know, unfortunately, churches today are buying into the same thing. Uh, we're buying into the same philosophies and following those same philosophies. Uh, and so I, as we think about showing our Sunday school teachers appreciation, uh, we want to appreciate them and we have donuts for them and we're giving them the day off, uh, but also wanted to just challenge them as well uh, as we think about this. And I want to share with you today from 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, in these first five verses, we're going to look at three headings. First thing we see is the charge. The second thing we see is the challenge. And the third thing we see is the caution. Uh, before we begin here, before we dive into this passage, let's just pray for a second. Father, we're grateful for today and grateful for the opportunity we have to look into your word. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray your word would look into us. Open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us, Lord. And I just pray that we would hear from you today. We're so grateful, Lord, for who you are, especially grateful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, uh, the first thing we see here is the charge. Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he says, I charge you. Now, the word for charge is to exhort earnestly, to come alongside and exhort somebody, to encourage somebody. Uh, and so that's what he's doing. It's, it's coming and he's, and he's giving this challenge. He's giving this charge to them. Timothy is just a young pastor, uh, just kind of beginning in the ministry. 
And as he's beginning in the ministry, this is his. This is what he's exhorting him to do. This is what he's charging him to do. Uh, and, and as we look at this and he says, I charge you, uh, this is not a suggestion. Paul is not saying, hey, Timothy, here's a really good idea for you. Uh, this is a charge. He is. This is an exhortation. This is a challenge that he is giving him. Hey, this is what you need to do. Now, as verse 4 continues, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Now, this tells us how serious this charge is. Uh, Paul, as he's declaring this, this is not something that Paul thinks is a good idea. Uh, this is not something that Paul just came up with in the, in the back room somewhere and said, hey, this is what we should tell all new pastors. Uh, that's not what this is about at all. Uh, this is a reminder of the accountability that Timothy has. It's a reminder of, of the position that Timothy has. God is the one who will judge. And he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. In the Roman Empire, if someone was summoned to court, they would be summoned to court and it would share on them on the summons whose court they would appear before. So if, if Judge Jeff Ellerton was presiding uh, and we were to give you a summons, it would say you're appearing in the court of, of the Justice Jeff Ellerton. That's kind of hard to say, Justice Jeff Ellerton, but it's got a ring to it, doesn't it? And we have a new nickname for you. Okay? So, uh, but that's what would happen. And so Paul, as he's sharing this, he's saying, hey, I'm charging you with this, and this is what I'm bringing to you, and this is in the presence of God. This is how serious this charge is. It's in the presence of God. And it says, Jesus Christ who judges the living and the dead. So this is going to be the final judge. This is where the supreme authority is. And so Paul is coming on behalf of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's giving this charge to Timothy. And he says, in the presence of God, with him behind me, that authority, this is the charge that I give to you. And so this is a serious charge that he's giving. Now notice it says, I charge you, in verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, in verse 2. That's the charge. On behalf of God, in the presence of God, looking to Christ as our, as our judge, this is the charge. Preach the word. That's his charge to Timothy, this young pastor. Now, this word for preach that's used here means to proclaim. We think about preaching and we think about some skinny guy with weird hair. Uh, and that's what we think about when we think about preachers. But this word here for preach means to proclaim a message, to be a herald. When somebody would come to town and they would have news, they would be the herald. And they would yell, uh, you know, extra, extra, read all about it. And they would make the proclamation. Uh, and so this is what he's saying is make proclamation, proclaim the word. That's, that's what he is telling uh, Timothy to do. Now, as we think about the word, this is obviously the word of God. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 20, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you and void, avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. How much, how often do we see that stuff that's out there that's falsely called knowledge? 
I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? And unfortunately, it's in churches. It's just babbling. Uh, but we see that there. And so Paul is challenging or charging Timothy to preach the word. Now, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, just look right up there above chapter 4, verse 1. He tells Timothy this, All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You think about that. Scripture, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. If it's not breathed out by God, it's not scripture. If it is scripture, it's breathed out by God. So the word of God is God's word breathed out by God. And that's what Timothy is telling, that's what Paul is telling Timothy, that all scripture is breathed out by God. And then notice he says, and it's profitable. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I was running a Schwann's route, I would think to myself, what's profitable? Is it profitable for me to drive back and forth all over town and pick up customers? Or do I want to drive and hit them as I go by them, kind of in order? That's more profitable, isn't it? It's better for my wallet, is what I thought about. Hey, it's better for me, I'm going to make more money if I do this, because it's profitable for me. So what Paul is telling Timothy, this is what's good for you. This is what's profitable. He says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And I know I've told you this before, but I think about this often. It's profitable for teaching. As we think about living life, it's profitable. The scriptures show us how to walk the path. All right? Uh, it's, it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. So when we step off the path, the Word of God is profitable to tell us, hey, you are off the path. And then it's profitable for correction. So not only does it point out that we're off the path, it also points out how to get back on the path. And then it trains us for training in righteousness so that we keep on the path, so that we continue the path. That's what the Word of God does. And Paul says it's profitable for all of those things. So as we think about it being profitable for all of these things, notice verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why else would he want to proclaim anything else? Empty philosophies don't offer that same thing. Only the word of God offers that. So Paul says, preach the word. So that's the charge. Preach the word. Now notice the challenge in verse 2 as it continues. He says, be ready in season and out of season. That's the challenge. Sometimes when we are at the grocery store and it's close to Christmas, we're excited about Christmas decorations. But when I go into the grocery store on July 5th and there are Christmas decorations out, it's too early. I'm not ready to be thinking about this year's ornaments. Uh, at least give me till, I don't know, August 1st, okay? But but that's how it is. So it's out of season, so it's not real popular. But when we get close to Christmas time, that's a popular season. That's when Christmas is popular. And then about January 1st, January 2nd, all that stuff get, gets moved out, doesn't it? It gets moved over to the orange sticker aisle because it's no longer in season. So Paul says, hey, it's a challenge for you. But when it's popular, preach the word. 
when it's not popular, preach the word. And that's a challenge. That's the challenge. But that's what he's saying. Preach the word in season and out of season. Be ready to preach it even when it's out of season. Uh, and you know, as we think about this today, uh, the word of God seems to be out of season in our nation today, doesn't it? But you know, this thing stands true for us today as well. Preach the word in season, out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Uh, these three words seem similar. Uh, reprove is to tell someone their fault. Rebuke is to admonish someone or to refute error. Uh, exhort is to point in a direction and encourage. And he says, do this with patience. Do this with patience. Boy, sometimes that's a difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, but, but he says, do it with patience. And that should be uh, how we do this. This is a challenge, doing it with patience. But we should do it with patience. Now notice verse 3 here. He gives us a caution. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. There will be a time when people won't want to hear God's word. Uh, this thought here for sound teaching, that word that's used there for sound, is where we get hygiene from. The word hygiene comes from that sound. Uh, he's saying, you know, there's going to be a time when people are not going to want to hear healthy doctrine. They're not going to want to hear spiritually healthy things. They're going to want to look to their own, their own passions uh, instead. Uh, they're not going to want healthy doctrine. They're going to desire the opposite of healthy doctrine. Verse 3 continues, it says, Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Boy, when an ear is itching, it needs scratching, doesn't it? When I was, when I was in, during my summers, I would work for my grandpa on the ranch, and we had Banner, uh, and Banner would follow you around when you uh, built fence. Now, Banner, just hearing that is not too weird, but when Banner was a 2,500-pound Hereford bull, and he follows you everywhere you go to build fence, it's kind of freaky. Uh, but Banner would love the taste of Levi's, so while you were working on the fence, he would lick your jeans. And he's 2,500 pounds, so you don't really smack him on the nose and say, stop. You just let him lick your leg. But Banner, you could go up to Banner, and there's two places that you could make him lean. You could scratch his face, uh, and his face is whiter than my hand. Or you could rub his ears. And I would double up my fist with my glove on, and I would just dig my knuckle into his ear, and that bull would just lean on your hand uh, and just let him dig. And, and he loved his ears being scratched. Uh, and you know, Paul is saying here that having itching ears, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. People with itching ears don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They just want their ears scratched. They want their own passions and they want their own desires to be suited. They don't want the word of God to reprove and rebuke them. Uh, they want to hear things that are in agreement with their own passions. They don't want to hear anything uh, regarding healthy doctrine. But instead, uh, they want things that are going to go along with their unhealthy desires. Verse 4 says, They will turn away from listening to the truth 
and they will wander off into myths. When they seek to have their ears tickled, they'll wander from the truth. They'll wander into false teachings because false teachings make them feel good. Uh, I remember when we were going to church in Wyoming and uh, one of the ladies, one of the people from the church came to me and she said, well, I just don't know about, about pastors. Uh, she said, I feel like every time I come, I just, I, just feel, I just feel guilt. She said, I really just want to go to church to feel better. And I'm like, so what's going on in your life? Uh, what, 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 what's happening? Why is the Word of God so convicted to you? Uh, and, and you know, that's, people don't want to hear the truth. Uh, they don't want to be convicted of their sin. Uh, but the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it does pierce us. Uh, pierces to our innermost beings, uh, and, and points out and convicts us and rebukes us of those things. People don't want to hear that. But Paul tells Timothy, in season and out of season, though it's a challenge, continue to do it. And that's the charge that he gives Timothy. Uh, and he cautions him, there is going to be a time when the people are going to want to hear it. Uh, and so Sunday school teachers and uh, youth leaders, I want to thank you for desiring to proclaim the word. But I also want to challenge you to continue to proclaim the word in season and out of season. Uh, because that's what's going to last, right? That's what's going to impact lives for eternity. And so that needs to be our desire. So don't, don't be teachers that just tickle ears. Uh, your audience may be bigger, but refuse the temptation to be an ear ticker. Uh, and you know, since only a few of us are, are Sunday school teachers this morning, uh, I think this is a great, a great thing for us to be mindful of as well. Because as non-Sunday school teachers, and as we read this and, and see this, char this charge and this challenge and this caution, it should be our heart's desire to hear the Word of God preached, to hear the Word of God proclaimed. Because we don't want to be a group of people who just want our ears to. We, that shouldn't be our desire. First uh, Peter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. That should be us. We should be longing for that pure spiritual milk. We shouldn't want to hear what today's newspapers are saying. We shouldn't want to hear what's popular in society. We should be craving that pure spiritual milk. Uh, and you know what? There's that, that whole thought about supply and demand. Uh, if we demand the preaching of the word, guess what's going to be supplied? And if it's not being supplied, we need to go somewhere where it is being supplied. Because we're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Just as our teachers are going to stand before God one day and give an account, we are too. We are too. So I want to challenge you and double dog dare you. Desire to hear the word of God taught. Crave it. Desire that hunger for it.